Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. Can tomorrow possibly be too late? Welcome to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry, and with me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. Now, Eric, you wrote an article, and it's posted on our website, mrm.org. It's titled, When Tomorrow May Be Too Late, an evangelism strategy for, quote, we'll all find out at the end. Now, this is not a new article. You wrote this several years ago. It's been on our website for a long time, but it's an issue that I think we need to look at again because many of us who have talked with Latter-day Saints have heard Latter-day Saints say something very similar to, well, we'll all find out in the end, as if it's not all that important for them right now. Yeah, and that article can be found on our website, mrm.org slash tomorrow too late with hyphens between tomorrow too late. Well, let's look at what you had to say, because I think a lot of our listeners can gain a lot from some of the points that you brought out. Let me just read the opening paragraph. During a friendly dialogue that I had with a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, I made a point that seemed to strike a chord. After a few seconds of awkward silence, the Latter-day Saints said, in a very respectful way, quoting here, What you're showing me appears to be correct. I'm not sure how to answer your objection to my faith. I guess we'll all know in the end anyway, won't we? And like I said earlier, what you experienced there. I have certainly experienced when talking to some Latter-day Saints, and I'm sure there's a lot of our listeners who have heard the same exact thing. Let's look at this a little bit deeper. First of all, why do you think a Latter-day Saint kind of drops back and punts with this phrase? Why would they even say something like that? What has your experience been? And I'm sure it's very similar to mine. I think it's a little bit of frustration because perhaps you have shown them something that they have never thought about before. Maybe they realize that their position is not as strong as they once thought, but they don't want to give in at that point. So they will use this as a deflection to try to end the conversation, perhaps. Uh, you know, we'll just have to agree to disagree on this and move on. And certainly, I think we need to show respect if the person is saying, Uncle, I don't think we continue on. We, we say, well, I got you. I, got, I won that point. I think that'd be the wrong thing to do. But maybe what you've just done is do what Greg Kokel calls putting a pebble in their shoe. They're going to be walking away from there thinking about maybe what you've shown them. And the idea that they think that we'll all find out in the end anyway, well, that's a whole topic onto its own, and that's the purpose of this article. Well, let me address something that you said, because... Sometimes I am engaged with a Latter-day Saint, and I recognize that maybe they don't have an answer for the question that I had. And I, I don't want to embarrass them. I certainly don't want to make them look foolish. I, I guess I have to be honest, though, and I do want to get them to maybe 
metaphorically squirm a little bit because I want them to think about this. I just don't want to throw out something that they don't have to really think through. I want them to think through this. And unfortunately, many of them, when they realize, as you said, they don't have an answer. You use the phrase here, they offer what you call a white flag of surrender. And it's like, let's get off this topic. What I sometimes do when I find a Latter-day Saint in that kind of a situation, in other words, it's difficult for them to answer the question, I want to move in at that time and kind of console them. And I'll say something like, you know, I'm not expecting you to know everything. I hope you don't expect me to know everything. I I can see that you probably don't have an answer for this right now, but I'm certainly interested in it. And if If you could check it out, I would very much appreciate that. But I'm not expecting any Latter-day Saint that I'm talking to to be omniscient. They just aren't. Either are we. And I think we have to show that kind of mutual respect when we're talking to them. I think a fair question to ask at this point is to say, well, if you were wrong, would you want to know about that? I've had many Latter-day Saints say, no, I would not want to know about that, which tells me, This conversation really is over. But if they answer honestly and say, well, yeah, sure, I'd want to know if I were wrong. Okay, well, that's what we're talking about because truth matters. And I don't want you to follow what might not be true. And I think you would want the same for me. And so convince me that the way you believe is true. I think you make an excellent point there because you're right. When you ask a Latter-day Saint, or really when you ask anybody, if there was a slight chance you could be wrong, would you want to know? And they say, no, you're probably not talking to somebody who wants to have a rational, honest conversation. I had many times where Latter-day Saints didn't seem like they wanted to have that kind of a conversation. I can think of all the times that we went down to the Mormon miracle pageant and we're talking to thousands of Latter-day Saints. And you did come across some like that. Well, in a situation like that, I have plenty of people to talk to. I don't need to take a lot of my time talking to an individual who obviously really doesn't want to talk. And so I would just politely say, okay, and end the conversation, wish him a good day, and go on to talk to somebody else. It was Jesus, after all, who did say that we're not supposed to toss pearls before swine. And I'm not calling uh, Latter-day Saints swine, but at the same time, if somebody's not wanting the gospel, I don't think we fight at that and try to get them to have a conversation that really isn't going to go anywhere because no matter how much convincing you think you're going to do, they don't want to know. Well, you go on in the, in the next section in your article under the subheading, The Mormon Testimony, and this is what you said. Before walking away, the Mormon in the story above decided to share his testimony, which went in part, I testify to you that Joseph Smith, and at this time it was Thomas Monson who was the prophet of the church, so that kind of dates how long ago this conversation took place. Well, let me go back. He said, I testify to you that Joseph Smith and Thomas S. Monson are prophets of God and that the Book of Mormon is true. The impetus for this typical testimony, you say, is derived from Moroni 10.4, the last book and chapter in the Book of Mormon. It says that if we shall ask with a sincere heart, with real intent, having faith in Christ, he will manifest the truth of it unto you by the power of the Holy Ghost. Now again, this experience that you had is not all that uncommon. I've certainly had many experiences talking with Latter-day Saints where they get to the point where they don't have any answers and so they They fall back and they give you this testimony that is based on Moroni 10.4. 
We've talked about the flaws in this testimony many times, and they stand out very simply when you look at it. For instance, it says, if you shall ask with a sincere heart, with real intent, having faith in Christ, if you were to do what the Latter-day Saints said to do regarding the Book of Mormon, in other words, read it, pray about it, see if it's true, and you came to your missionary friends and you said, well, I did what you said, but I don't walk away thinking this thing is really of God. Do you really think that those missionaries are going to leave their church because of your testimony that it's not really from God? At least that's how you feel about it? Well, of course not. And this is why the test is flawed, because if you were to do that, and I've asked missionaries, what if I were to do that, and I came to you and I said, I prayed about it, and God didn't show me this was really from God, they're not going to leave the church. Why? Because in their minds, and I even had a couple of missionaries admit this to me, and I said to them, you would probably be thinking that maybe my heart was not very sincere, or maybe I didn't have real intent. And I always wonder what that really even means. Or maybe my faith in Christ was lacking. And these missionaries, I give them credit, admitted to me that that's probably what they would be thinking. And I'm sure many missionaries have thought that when someone has tried to do this Moroni 10-4 test the way the missionaries explain it to them. One tactic that some would use is to have what you could call a testimony duel, where They give their testimony, and then it's your turn, and you give your testimony and explain what Jesus has done for you. What do you think of that tactic, Bill? Do you think that's something that could work in this kind of situation? I think if it's done properly, it probably could work. Maybe not on the spot, though. But it could be something that the Latter-day Saint could walk away from the conversation thinking about maybe not immediately, but maybe down the road in life, perhaps. And if we have a testimony where we explain that the reason why we believe what we believe is because we get our belief from the Bible, and this is why I believe the Bible is a good source for truth. And you have some evidence to back up that claim, other than Uh, We could say, other than a testimony like some Latter-day Saints, just on some feeling or something you were told. This is where I think some of the responsibility comes on our shoulders. We should have somewhat of an arsenal, not a whole book full. You don't need a book full, but at least some points to explain to our friends why is it we do believe the Bible and why do we consider it to be a good source for truth? But you're talking about reasons, and I think that's very important because a testimony that's just based on emotions is not necessarily going to be based on the truth. And it does matter if the Book of Mormon is factually true or not. I mean, we can go to Islam and Muslims believe with all their heart that Muhammad is the true prophet of God and that Allah is the one that they serve, the true God, and uh, they'll tell you reasons why they have testimony. But just because somebody has a testimony, what is it based on? And I think that's what you're trying to point out. You make a good point, because if a Muslim were to come to us and say, well, I believe the Quran is the word of God, and even though their faith doesn't specifically instruct them to pray about it in a Moroni 10-4 fashion, I'm sure there are probably many Muslims who really believe that this is the Word of God. They may have even prayed about it. Obviously, they haven't heard anything from their God to contradict it, So what would be the difference there? You would think there would be a lot of similarity there. But the Bible doesn't tell us to do that about religious books. 
the Bible does instruct us to use reason, to examine things, to see whether they are true. We are not merely supposed to go by a subjective feeling, even if we camouflage that feeling with a pious act called prayer. Now, you might say at this point, oh, you don't believe in prayer. Quite the opposite. I believe so much in prayer that I will not abuse it. And I really feel that Moroni 10.4 is meant to abuse prayer. I was telling you before we started recording what a brilliant plan of Satan it is to throw Moroni 10.4 into the Book of Mormon, get away from the facts, and go to a subjective feeling and make it look pious because you're in the act of prayer. And who is going to argue against prayer? Well, I will, if you're abusing it, and I really think Moroni 10.4 is an abuse. It causes the Latter-day Saint to go by a, a feeling, and who knows what is motivating that feeling. It could be that that individual is wanting to have this thing true because, let's say, the missionaries were cute, or the Mormon couple next door are really nice to me. It could be for a number of reasons. So we always have to be on guard when it comes to our feelings because they can, in fact, be deceptive. This is called inference to the best explanation. Jesus did say that there were many false prophets who were out in the world. We want to not accept just any old philosophy or religious view. We want what is the truth. Tomorrow we're going to continue looking at Eric's article titled, When Tomorrow May Be Too Late. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another viewpoint on Mormonism.